And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, how we doing? How's everybody feeling, Raider Nation? Eight and seven. Raider Nation, unite. Look at all the detractors. Where are they today? Running for their lives on the cover of the local paper. Nice to see. No doom and gloom. Negative storylines of the year. Can't win and all that. Nice that the hometown paper has something nice and positive. The ground game overcomes first half errors. You better believe there were some errors in that game. And the Raiders beat the Broncos in a must win. 17 to 13. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you had a great Christmas. Happy New Year, as we will thank all of our great, great partners this week. It's always Customer Appreciation Day with me, as you know. But I really want to go out of the way and do the right thing and thank all our partners this year and get ready for the new year. This is probably the busiest year I've ever had on radio with two shows, five hours a day, six days a week, COVID as the backdrop of sports the entire year. And I'm very grateful, very thankful to have these radio shows, and especially this one, right in the middle of the day on the flagship, the real flagship of the Raiders. So I saw so many people out at the game. It was by far the most friends and listeners and just great people that I saw at a Raider game this year. And I've been at every game when there were no fans and when they're at home with fans. And that, to me, was really what I envisioned a Raider game being. Not a great game. Not one of those 41-34 games with just all these great players, but I just love the vibe outside the stadium, inside the stadium. I hope you agree. If you went to the game and had a lot of fun and enjoyed it and caught up with friends, that's really the vision of that stadium and winning football on the field. And the Raiders came through in a bizarre game. Wasn't it a bizarre game? If you look at it, again, low scoring, slow starts, some early penalties and not late. Some big turnovers, but the Raiders found a way to win, and that's all that matters. So what we do on a Monday after a victory is we celebrate it. We tell stories. We talk about the game. When they win, we're not as critical as when they lose for obvious reasons. And then Tuesday to Friday, heading into New Year's, we're going to go balls out on installing the game plan for the Indianapolis Colts. It's a deep dive this week. I need everybody. I need everyone in the Raider Nation Even those front-running fans who quit on me two weeks ago on this show, on Twitter, on the pre and post, quit on this team. We will leave a crack in the back door open so you can slide through the back door, change your makeup, change your outfit, and we'll act like we didn't see you throw your team under the bus. We'll even welcome you back. But now it's all hands on deck, and this team's got to get healthy for this game this week. I think that's the most important thing is the Colts woke up today to some COVID issues. So there are several players in protocol for the Colts, which we don't celebrate. We didn't celebrate it when we saw it with Cleveland. We want everybody to be healthy. We want everybody to be at full strength. We want to play the best team on the best day when they are at full strength. But now we're seeing an issue with the Colts where they could be losing multiple players coming into this And if that's the case, it could affect the point spread by a little bit. But who cares about the point spread this time of year? It's just about winning the game. It's about finding a way to win the game and come through this game with the shot to get to the playoffs by beating the Chargers. 
the last home game of the year. So I'm very optimistic about what this team could do. I'd like the offense to wake up a little bit more. I think if the offense wakes up and plays at a higher level, the defense is ready to roll. I think the defense can get going and the defense can make plays against Carson Wentz or especially Jonathan Taylor. But again, I want to get into that later in the week. I want to talk about the back-to-back sweep of the Denver Broncos and how it affected you. 702-365-9200 as we open up the show. Brought to you by Golden Entertainment as they own the Strat. They own Arizona Charlie's 64-plus locations in the Valley. And they do everything to get the show going. They got the kicks and sticks specials. Catch all football and hockey action at PT's with food specials from $3. Plus, enjoy $5 Absolute Bloody Marys and $2 off Grey Goose and Bacardi Superior. Beer pitches from $10 and more. And I think it's a great way. Great way to have a good time. And it's the best viewing outside the stadium and arena. PT's Taverns offers the best football and hockey viewing outside the stadium. Enjoy food and drink specials and get on out there and have a good time in the best happy hour in town. So why did the Raiders win the game? They won the game because they were more physical and they were tougher than the Denver Broncos. Their defensive line held Denver to 16 yards rushing in the entire game, which if you look back at the history of the Raiders, dating back to 1960, it was one of the greatest defensive rushing performances for a defense in Raider history. I didn't know anybody who expected that. We spent a lot of time last week talking about this vaunted Denver running attack. When I interviewed Rich Basaccia, we said over the last four games, coming into this game, in the last four games, Denver was ranked number two in the NFL over a month in rushing. So they were running the ball well and really thought that they were going to run it whenever they wanted on the Raiders. The Raiders and their defensive front said, hell no. We're going to stop you. We're going to slow you down and make Drew Locke have to beat us on third down. And they had nothing on third down. Josh Jacobs showed up and had a game that I've been calling for for months, maybe over a year. This is what Josh Jacobs should do on average or close to on average every game. He should have between 100 and 120 yards rushing every time he gets anywhere over 25 carries. That's his job. And he was able to go out there and do it. So very impressed with Josh Jacobs. And I was also impressed with the offensive line. As Eric Allen and I discussed at the end of the game, the offensive line you could see getting to the next level, the third level. They had guys pulling and blocking 10 yards downfield. The offensive line now is run blocking as good as they have done all year long. And that's a testament to Tom Cable because I'm assuming Rich Passaccia, Tom Cable, and Greg Olson and Johnny Morton all got together and said, hey, we can run the ball in this game. Let's do it. And they were able to do it. I think they should attack more. I think they should take more shots. But in this game, the coaching, the coaching won out. The coaching saw an advantage, and they took over the ground game, which was impressive to see going into this indie game coming up. Let's begin the game with the Renfro touchdown on his way to 90 receptions, having one of the great years in Raider history for a wide receiver. Here's Renfro putting the Raiders on the board. Second down and goal from the 10-yard line. Gonna need to get somebody open, takes it straight back, looks to the left, gonna float one over the top, grabbed in the corner of the end zone, jackpot, baby! Hunter Renfro makes a fine play as they fade it into the left corner of the end zone. 
and the Raiders and Derek Carr strike first. That's Brett Musburger and Lincoln Kennedy on all these calls here. I want to stop the show for a second and tell you how good Carr is. The Carr touchdown to Brian Edwards in Cleveland. That was to the right side of Carr, which was one of the best thrown balls. I think the top catch of the year when you want to talk about a ball. But then I got to change my mind and go with Renfro is that was thrown to the left. And Carr's accuracy was brilliant on the Edwards touchdown in Cleveland and on the Hunter Renfro touchdown in Las Vegas. Proving my point to throw it in the end zone, Derek. Throw it in the end zone. You got playmakers who can make plays. Don't throw it in front of the end zone hoping guys break tackles. Throw it in the end zone. You get a flag. It's first and goal at the one, or you get a touchdown. And Derek's got laser beam touch on those throws. I just wish he would attack the end zone more because these last couple of touchdowns, you're going to talk about pinpoint accuracy. He's been amazing. So they get off to the lead here. And then this Jacobs fumble was on Jake, uh, Josh Jacobs. He had to secure the ball better in the open field. Here's how it sounded. So it'll be second down. Car back into the gun. Jacobs alongside. Renfro is slotted to the right. Car is going to throw it again. Steps. And he's down. Slips. Loose fumble. Ball's on the ground. Broncos jump on it. Broncos recover the fumble. So that was supposed to be the Jacobs fumble there, so I apologize if we mixed that up. But, you know, the early turnovers here really was a, I wouldn't say deal breaker because the Raiders won the game, but it was a big deal. The Derrick interception at the end of the half was just bizarre. Uh, it was something I've never seen like that before. I was talking about it with friends watching it at the time. I couldn't believe it. This could have been the worst play of the entire season. Maybe it is. But the Raiders were able to clean it up. Here's the interception. Moreau and Renfro, okay? So Carr sends Jones in motion, takes a snap of the gun, and drop a screen, and he intercepted. He threw it right to the Bronco. This is a pick six. Down at the one-yard line, Bradley Chubb being congratulated by his teammates. A disaster in Las Vegas. A disaster in Las Vegas. Well, what was that play all about? With 18 seconds to go, I could see if they were at the 25 or 30, maybe taking a shot, an out route 20 yards up, a quick catch. Then you get up there, you get out of bounds, and then you take one more shot, and you, you get Carlson out there for a field goal. But for that to happen, they lost the game. And I'll be talking about this all week. Eric Allen told me he thought that that play, which was so bad, might have won the game for the Raiders because something happened in the Raider locker room. And we'll try to get details in a good way. They were galvanized. That play got the Raider locker room to wake up and say the hell with all of this. We're going to win this game. We're going to do it. Our defense is going to get this job done. And the team woke up as they came out in the second half. Now, Williams with this touchdown run on the interception, Bobby, we'll pass that up. That was on the next play. In the second half, the Raiders came back and ran it eight out of nine times on that first drive. The Barber touchdown sent a message to the Denver Broncos that the Raiders were refreshed after halftime. They owned the ground game, and they pounded it in the end zone. Now it's Barber turn. Daylight dives over the top. Signal? Anybody? Signal? No signal yet. Jackpot, baby! <laughs> So the Raiders take the lead there in the game, and that, end up, that ends up being the game winner. 
right there on Barber, who has fresh legs and really popping this time of year. And Josh had a good game. But the Raiders had to put the game away. There was still a lot of football left to play. And here was another turnover, the fumble by Derek Carr. Carr goes back into the gun. Jalen Richard on this third down checks in. Let's see if Carr can flip it quickly and accurately for the first down. In trouble. Balls fumble, out. fumble out. on the sack. Battle for the loose ball. Let's see who comes up. It's Broncos have recovered it. No, the third turnover, and Carr is hurt. Yeah, and Derek looked hurt on that play. Credit to Derek, who came back after that and was able to play and go on with the game there. Remember, no Marcus Mariota to play. McManus is a good kicker for them. When he missed this field goal, the place exploded here. This was a big turn of events for the Raiders in this home game. On fourth and four, 55-yarders. Good hold off to the left. This is no good. This is no good. Raiders will take over. They survive that turnover. And now you can second-guess Faggio all you want. That wasn't even close. That was huge because that could have given them the lead, and then the Raiders would have had to come back from behind trailing, and that puts a different type of pressure on the team. And let's get to the defense on third and long in the fourth for Drew Locke. He didn't attempt many passes. They wanted to run the ball. They couldn't run it. Then they tried to turn it over to their quarterback to make a play. Judy is slotted to the left. Nixon matched up against him. Locke takes the snap. Goes straight back. He's hit. Thrown for a loss on the play. Quinn Jefferson. Quinn Jefferson sacks Drew Locke on third down. With 422, the Broncos are going to have to punt it away. That was the biggest play of the game. Because if Denver picked up a first down there on that series, they just would have went downfield. And I think we would have seen this movie before. Denver would have been in a situation where they could have had a chance to win this game. And the Raider defense said, hell no, we're not going to do it. The Raiders get the ball back to close out the game. And I love this call on third and short to Moreau to ice the game. The Raiders need to do more of this. Carr is going to throw it. Snaps it off. Wide open. First down, Moreau. Deep into territory. He's at the Broncos. 35-yard line. Way to go. They cross everybody up. They throw to Moreau on third down and two as we hit the two-minute warning. Game over. That was the play. It was fantastic. They took the game away. They said, we're not going to run it into a pile. We're not going to punt. We're not going to get conservative here. We're going to go to Derek Carr and let him win the game. And they were able to do it. Final call from Las Vegas is back-to-back years. The Raiders sweep the donkeys. One more knee, and that's all it'll take. There's the third one. Now they come onto the field. No need even going through the ceremonial ending. Derek Carr and Coach Fangio shake hands. The players come across the field. Rich Passaccia and the Raiders win their second game in a week. That was a big deal. So that's a Raider flagship also on Compass Media Networks. And the Raiders win the game. So let's hear from some of the Raider fans. Let's wake up. It's holidays. I'm not on vacation. I'm not on a boat. I'm here at the Raider flagship taking your calls on the importance of that win. And how energized are you for the rest of the week here? The Raiders are alive and the Raiders control their destiny against two teams in the AFC coming up. And they sweep the Broncos this year. I think Vic Fangio is going to get fired because he's lost four in a row to the Raiders two in Las Vegas, and remember, I think the Raiders most likely put the Browns out of the playoffs, and the Raiders have a chance to knock Indy out of the playoffs, and that would be a huge deal this week, and we'll talk about that. I'm really excited for the toughness of the team. 
I love the conditioning of this team. I like how they play late in games. I think they're very physical. And Gus Bradley in this defense has done a nice job being physical and really exerting the game plan on defense that's getting Derek Carr the ball back and the offense more opportunities to make plays. So the defense is the strength of this team. I thought I'd never say that with the likes of Darren Waller, who I got a chance to spend some time with on the sideline before he got his award pregame. I hope he can come back. I love the way Josh Jacobs is running the football. I don't think the Raider offense is playing extremely well in the passing game. If you look at Cleveland and Denver and look at the stats I have here in front of me, this offense is not popping. And the offense needs to be playing much more explosive because I'm, I'm just a little nervous that they're going to play this conservative brand of football. And if they fall behind in one of these games playing conservative when they should be aggressive, season's going to come to an end. So I'm still waiting for that pop game, that game by the Raider offense. 300 yards passing, three touchdowns for Carr. Just one of those games that we need to see in order for the Raiders to advance to the playoffs. But again on Derek, uh, this could have been an awful week for Derek Carr. Awful week with the two fumbles and the interception at the end of the first half that this team didn't pick him up. And I think that Derek understood that. We'll play some of his post game later. I thought he was exceptional. Man, Eric Allen is good to work with. The first thing Eric Allen said to me when the post game started is he says, Derek's got to address this defense and how the defense won this game, and he did. That's a sign of a quarterback who's always been mature. Yeah, let's play that cut. This is a really important cut by Derek Carr, who read the room properly after the team won a very close game. Do I get credit for that? Do I get credit for holding them to 18? No. You know, they did a great job today, and uh, so proud of them. I, I, I told them in there, I was like, to win a championship, running the football and playing defense, and then quarterbacks, you know, we just try and make the best decision possible every time and, you know, try and get it to the open guys. Yeah, that's a huge opportunity for Derek there to step up and say, look, the defense, the defense bailed me out in this one. He had a tough game, but Derek also could throw an 80% completion and hit all the big throws when he needs to. I just want to see it from the first to the fourth quarter in a big game. Uh, they've won two in a row. I want to make sure in the monologue here we congratulate Rich Passaccia. Uh, give the coach credit, everybody, please. He deserves credit. He, he, he deserves credit from Raider fans today on the flagship station. Just like all these other flagship stations, the other 32, have calls lined up and people thanking the coach for the win. we got to do a better job at that around here. Rich Passaccia, I don't consider him the interim head coach. I call him the coach. He's the head coach. And this guy swept Denver this year. No matter what happens with Coach Passaccia, with his contract status long term, he's become a friend, someone that I give a lot of credit to. When the team isn't playing well, you know, you go after him a bit. But give Coach Passaccia and this staff credit for the game plan and the way they stomp, stomped out Denver's offense. Not, not so much Drew Locke, but the running game was magnificent. And Gus Bradley and Tom Cable and Coach Marinelli and all the assistant coaches and the way Greg Olson had that play on third and two to ice the game. I think today would be a good day over the holidays heading into New Year's to pat the coaches on the back because from time to time we all take the coaches for granted. We blame them for every loss and every bad play that's not executed when at times it's the players not executing them, or more importantly, it's the other team, you tip your cap, and the other team goes out and makes a play. This should be Coach's Appreciation Day on Monday because those coaches are working their ass off over Christmas, and they want a home game here, and the Raiders are now 8-7 and seven 
with a great opportunity this week. Josh Jacobs, to me, was the MVP of the game. 129 yards rushing, and it was hard rushes. I mean, his body took a beating in that game. So hopefully he bounces back, and he'll go up against Jonathan Taylor in a signature game matchup where Jonathan Taylor of Indy is playing like an MVP candidate. And everybody's going to expect Indy to win this game. 702-365-9200. Too quiet for me. Let's wake the place up in Vegas. Let's act like an NFL city. Let's act like an NFL city, Vegas. Let's act like an NFL city when we win. Okay? Appreciate the victories. They're hard to get in this league. Appreciate them and celebrate them and enjoy them. Because when, when they're not winning, many of you are freaking miserable. Miserable. And it's doom and gloom. There's not doom and gloom today. This is a victory Monday heading into what is another playoff game before the playoffs start coming up on Sunday in Indy. Jay in Vegas. Thanks for holding, Jay. Start us off. Appreciate you taking my call, JT, and I hope you had a great Christmas. And thank you, man, for everything that you've done for the Raider Nation uh, this year and the years past and the years coming up, JT. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, buddy. JT, man, I'm so – I'm so happy right now, JT. Look, man, I've told you before I've called in that, uh, you know, uh, I'm a glass is half full kind of guy. I'm an optimist. You know, I, I wasn't the one uh, to throw the towel in with like some of these fair weather fans like I've called them before and negative Nancy's and negative Nathan's, how they talked a lot of crap about, you know, how, how Derek Carr's been playing and, and just in general, just being low on the team. I feel like my optimism is paying dividends right now. And you know what? Going into to this Sunday's game, I feel real good about my Raiders. I really do, JT, because, look, man, it, in the middle of the year when they had that, that, uh, that losing streak going on, when they lost to Washington and when they lost to uh, Kansas City, you know, after this game, I looked at that. I'm like, well, why, why, why were they struggling so bad? So I'm a nerd, JT. I like going back and looking at box scores. Mm-hmm. I went back to the beginning of the year. And come to find out, JT, they, play, they were playing a different style of football when they had – John Gruden at the time, when we had all our weapons, they weren't this tough, gritty team that they are now. And look, JT, man, you took the words right out of my mouth. Coach Passaccia deserves a ton of credit for changing this team's identity on the fly. JT, this was earlier in the year, this was like a Ferrari type of team mm-hmm. where they were just putting up points like crazy. The, the, you know, they were moving around like a well-oiled machine. Now this team has transitioned into a team that'll bludgeon you, JT. Mm-hmm. Man, the, the, the way this offensive line has come together and changed their identity, man, they, they put a beat down. They put a beat down on Cleveland, a top-rated defense. I know they were missing players, but you got to play with the players that you're playing with. Sorry. But this team coming up, I was real worried about this defense, real worried about this defense. And, JT, the way this offensive line just straight dominated, Straight dominant. Look, Alex Leatherwood has gotten a lot of flack about how he's playing. I've been keep, keeping a uh, close eye on that cat right there. Man, he's really come a long way. Yeah, he is. And I think he's – JT, call me crazy, but I think he might be ready to move back to right tackle. I think now, you know, having success that he's been having, I think he might be ready to move to right tackle because I like All right, my friend. his athleticism. Yes, More I got to wrap it Brandon up. Parker. I got to get, every, get everyone in. Appreciate the call and the recap. And look – Leatherwood and Parker and the right side of the line is a weakness of this team. It's the weakness of this team is the right side of the offensive line. But when they're playing better and they have some moral victories and some actual tape victories and grade victories, we should give them credit. 
I give Leatherwood credit because he's available. The guy before him, that bum that they moved back to New England, was never available. He wasn't available. He didn't want to play football. He didn't want to be a Raider. Leatherwood wants to be a Raider, and he's a young player. And, you know, he gets exposed at times, but he shows up. He's not in the tub. He's not a guy that you're worried about. Is he going to play or not? He usually is always ready to go. I like that about him. What I like about Alex Leatherwood is his availability. His availability and his his ability to be ready to go. Now, a very important comment I'm about to make. Two things I don't do. Haven't done in 23 years with the Raiders. Never once. I don't go after anyone's money. You'll never hear me talk about Derek Carr's money or a player, if they should get paid or not. I don't get involved. I work for the team. The last thing I want to do is walk into a room and a guy come up to me and say, you're going to affect my money? You're saying I should? I don't go after people's money. That's the high. Mark Davis makes decisions on who's going to be here and not, not me. So when it comes to that. And then when it, it comes injuries, I'm very careful on injuries. Because if a player can't go, I don't comment on it. If he's inactive, he's inactive. That being said, Guy's got to play this week, period. If you're on IR, if you're out for the year, we're not talking about you. The guys who can go this week got to go, period. I've talked to Hall of Famers about this and alumni. If you're capable of playing and you can go and you're not 100%, you got to go. This is the game that we got to see guys really say, look, I've been hedging, I've been hedging, I'm not 100%, but I'm going to play, coach. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. This is a game where everybody needs to come out of that tunnel, pad it up, cleats on, on the road, playing for each other. If that happens, I think the Raiders have a good chance to win the game. They'll be a heavy underdog. Most of the country, even today, is not talking about the Raiders. They're covering up the Chargers. What a scam. Chargers win a game, and the national media gets their free bagels and coffee and their little gift and their little box of jelly beans and stuffed Charger teddy bear, and they talk about them all day. When they lose, not a peep. Not a peep about the Chargers losing. Chargers lost yesterday. Denver got beat in Vegas. Donkeys got swept. And as I walked from Brett Musburger, I left my wife and sons at our seats. I took the elevator to the top. Watch about the final five minutes of the game. Two-minute warning before the elevators closed for the coaches. About three minutes, I got in the elevator. I went down, and I walked to Concourse. And I had to walk to the Modelo Cantina Club to do the post game. And you would have loved your boy. This is why I hope you listen. Every Bronco fan was leaving. I was walking up to guys going, why are you leaving? Game's not over. And they're looking at me. Who the hell is this guy with the credential around his neck? I'm walking up to other people. Where are you going? What are you doing? Very respectful. But whoa, 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 there's a game going on. And the Bronco fans were storming out of Allegiant Stadium. As they were storming out in their blue and orange. I said, man, where are you going? Is there a show tonight? Are you going downtown? You got tickets to a concert? And Denver left literally with their tail between their legs. Swept once again by the Las Vegas Raiders. Two years in a row. One of the cockiest franchises, boldest fan base out there. They always tell you when they win. They had their tail between their legs, running out of the stadium, trying to get on the Hacienda Bridge to get home. Good riddance, Denver. That's a sweep. That's a dominant sweep by the silver and black. And I'm talking about it today. Let's get this going on the flagship, JT the Brick. It's Raider Nation Radio.
First and foremost, I'd say it was outstanding. It was phenomenal. It was awesome. Down in and down in and down in and down in. And um, can't say enough about how excited we are about the way our defense played. I think we gave up 18 rushing yards in, in the entire game. That's Rich Passaccia, head coach of the Raiders, and I think everybody should be excited and give credit to the head coach for winning that game. That's what we do here on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, Raiders come through. They go to 8-7 and seven on the year. Raiders in control of their destiny as the Raiders now have an opportunity to win back-to-back games and go to the playoffs and win 10 games this year. So as I said, days like today, Raider fans should be celebrating a victory. Raider fans should be commending the defensive line, and Raider fans should be talking about this commitment to excellence and what they're able to do now. So I want to hear from the Raider fans, 702-365-9200. Raider Nation unite. And Raider fans, I got some of my best friends. They're in Florida. They're on the water. They're FaceTiming me. They're going crazy. They're Raider flags even in Florida. Raider fans from all over the country. I just got a text from two fans, one in Boston, one listening live in West Palm Beach. Text personally, loving the energy today because the Raiders continue to win And are they winning in impressive fashion? Some of it is, not all of it. I want to clean up this game going into Indy. Are you with me? Want to clean up the game and get this team to play better football from beginning to end in Indianapolis. But we're celebrating the victory today. Who was your MVP of the game? The choices should be pretty obvious. Josh Jacobs, MVP of the game, Mad Max Crosby. I thought Max, I said this yesterday on the postgame, If you watch Max Crosby, he's the essence of a great Raider player. He never takes a playoff. Whenever a teammate makes a play, he's the first guy up to congratulate him. When Derek threw that interception, I was looking right down at the sideline. Max came over to him, patted him on the helmet, said, we'll get going. You could tell that Max Crosby is the leader of this defense. I love the way Trayvon Merrick is playing on the back end. And look at here, everybody. Maybe the linebackers are finally waking up. If you look at the core of the linebackers, and Diablo did not have a good game. Okay, Diablo's a young player. He was exposed a couple of times in this game. But if Perryman can play the rest of the year, Perryman was injured. He found a way to get on the field. And you look at Littleton, who was supposed to be a pro bowler and is healthy and has skills, if he can play at a higher level. And we can see these linebackers and K.J. Wright, who had a borderline Hall of Fame career. I'm talking Hall of Fame career in Seattle. If he can find some juice these last couple of games and make more plays and guess right and get to the ball sooner than half a step later, that's a lot of experience. Perryman, K.J. Wright, along with Littleton, are experienced players in this league going into a game where you need experience with the running attack of Indy and the passing game that we know of Carson Wentz. So we'll start that dive tomorrow on exactly how that game's going to play out. But today I want to hear from you. We're light today. The energy is light other than me. So let's get going. I don't have three co-hosts that I can bounce ideas off for 10 minutes. We go. We go for the next hour and a half with diehard Raider fans who are at the game. If you had a great time, the tailgate was great. My wife and my two sons, it's the first time. My wife reminded me it was the first time my entire family went to a Raider game together. Remember since that last Carson, California game on New Year's Eve? When Jack Del Rio got fired, that was the last time all four of us went to a game and sat together. And we just had a festive time. Got a great photo with Gorilla Rilla. 
fantastic photo. The black hole tailgate was popping. There was a young boy in a family that was given black hole gear and tickets to the game. There was another young boy after the game that Derek Carr uh, gave him his jersey at the end of the game, which was really a big emotional moment. There was a lot of cool things happening in that game. And then I thought the crowd inside the stadium was fantastic. Uh, Dion Warwick, the entertainer. Uh, Shania Twain, who I saw on the sideline. And all the dignitaries who were down there. And then I cruised into the Champions Club, uh, ran into a couple of fans who had an open bar. Ooh, I heard about that rumor. Went down there. It's a work day for me, but everybody's sipping on their cocktails, having fun in the Champions Club. Then I make it up to the Twitch Club. I head over to the Modelo. Meet some buddies at the Torch at the end of halftime, which is always fun. And then ran into some of our partners here in their suites. Boz, who runs uh, New Virgin Hotels, went to his suite. Went to see Deacon, who runs Coors Light here in town. So we were running around, name dropping, as you can tell. Hugging people, wishing a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Great game. Energy was fantastic. And I want to thank my wife and sons who stayed to the end of the post game. Eight-minute post game, and then we drove home and had a beautiful night. So really a memorable Christmas. I'll never forget the day after Christmas. And it's so much fun when the Raiders win a game of that magnitude. Rossi in Australia. What's happening, mate? Thanks for holding. What's, I didn't, didn't hear you on the post game yesterday. You good? Yeah, I was good. I was uh, funny enough. I was on Twitter and I was I was listening. Unfortunately, I couldn't call in, but uh, absolutely loved uh, the energy that you brought yesterday. Obviously, you said yesterday that you were going to celebrate. You were taking today off. You were going to celebrate with your son being in town, and it, it's it's a great victory. You know, everybody's uh, talking about the optics, and and I'm normally one that that brings the optics conversation of did we win in style? Did we win? It doesn't matter this time of year, does it? We, we, we're just we're, we're eight and seven. We've got everything going forward for for us. The MVP for me, Crosby was was phenomenal. But for me, I felt that Perryman being back in the middle of that linebacker mm-hmm. core, yeah. it just brings a solidity that gives everybody else some confidence around them. It gives a it gives Max the confidence to keep on going. It gives everybody the confidence to just play each play as it is not think about the last one or think about the next one or god we've just got to get off the field on this third down you know this third down efficiency one for 10 for the broncos the only reason they scored 13 points was because of our turnovers the down at the one yard line that's the only touchdown they got their offense was anemic it was still drunk from christmas it was fantastic to watch this defense Step up and bully this team. We talk about just killing teams. They never look like winning at any point in this game. Not even the coin toss. You know, we deferred that. It's just a fantastic four-quarter performance from, from this team. And I'm not blaming Derek. He's seen that play before. Khalil Mack did it against Cam Newton back in 2016. It was... As fans, we, we loved it then. Obviously, we're, we're on the end of this. Sometimes you just got to go, you know what, that's a pretty good play. Uh, but ultimately, really excited. I do agree with you, though. Everybody needs to turn up against the Colts. For me, the Colts, outside of the Chiefs, are the most complete AFC team outside of that quarterback. But you know what? 
I want Derek Carr to win a game rather than Carson Wentz to manage a game. And that's going to be yeah. our final piece. All right, my friend. Thank you. Happy holidays down under. Appreciate you. Looking forward to getting down there again. I spent the best uh, month of my life down there in the Sunday Islands and Bondi Beach and backpacking with three of my best friends uh, 1994 through Australia. And I want to get back again with my wife. Love it there. Let's talk about what has to happen going forward. We need a 300-yard passing game from Derek. Period. Okay? Now we're into the 200s, and the offensive line is struggling to pass protect. What I'm concerned about going forward is that the Raiders are going to fall in love with the running game again. And they're going to want to run it too much, and they're going to get conservative. That's the only problem I have. Yesterday, when they were picking up eight yards on a first down, running on first down, that was fantastic. I got out of my seats, standing ovation. I just don't like the run on second down. I want to put the ball in the hand of Derek Carr to save the season. Make or break the next game. I want to put the ball in the hand of Derek. He threw a costly interception. He fumbled the ball twice. You know, it's more than a trend. It's a fact that when Derek gets sacked, he fumbles the football. He doesn't secure the football at an elite level. And he's got to do a better job. Those turnovers against a team like Indy, the game would be over. But look at who they just beat back-to-back games, Denver and Cleveland. And they probably knocked both those teams most likely out of the postseason. And the Raiders aren't a spoiler right now. The Raiders are fighting for their lives. So I love what's happening here. There's so much motivation. There's so much on the line right now. that We shouldn't be talking like we were a couple of weeks ago. Well, who's going to show up? Who wants to play? Who's, who's into it? They're all into it. Energy level is sky high. Sky high. So everybody's on board, checked in. We just got to get a few more players off the injury report and onto the field. I think that's critical. Passionate Raider in Illinois on a Monday. Go ahead. Thanks for waiting. JT, man, I'm fired. I'm still fired up, JT. I still don't watch the game again, sat back, seen some things I didn't like. But you know what? Again, my, my biggest takeaway of the game was the, game, the, the team played great. It's just we, like Aussie just said, we need their card not to put us in position to lose the game. The turnovers yesterday, the, the fumbling the ball, I, I really, after watching the game again and looking, that interception was, an, was a remarkable play. He, that guy jumped really high in the air to make that play. I can't really put that all on Derek, but it was a screen pass. It is what it is. But, but to go forward, JT, he's not, he cannot make – we cannot afford to put the ball on the ground because it was the last two weeks has been suspect games for people to look at. A win is we've had just as many issues as the other team has, but we have won our battles. And the MVP of that game yesterday, I have to give it to Mad Max. I have to give it to him. He was everywhere on that field. And when he wasn't on the field, he was doing one of the best things that a leader can do and he was pumping that crowd yesterday and i seen it they kept showing it on tv yesterday that game yesterday was a statement game to show that this team didn't quit we're so used to this happening and the team just quitting that that us fans have become numb to it but like i said this morning and i really agree i think this radio station and i think that the love that is that has become circulating with this organization, that this is, this is a new organization. This is a big change for the Raider Nation, and it's going to happen. And the young players we have, we're getting better. It's a 
progress. It's going to be a process. But I believe that the love that this team is generating and the things that are going on inside, the future looks bright for this year. Yeah, well, the the future. Clean up the turnovers, JT, and this team is – we can do something. Play as a team, we know it. Love you, man. Have a good show. Yeah, I don't think you can – you know, you can't say on radio, clean up the turnovers. How? You're going to stop someone from getting sacked and fumbling. You're going to, st- you know, tell a running back who's running free to secure the ball more. Yeah, you can't predict turnovers. That's why I crack up. You know, I talk to all these gamblers and interview all these handicappers, and they handicap games like they know what the hell they're doing. They don't know when a fumble's coming. They have no idea when a missed field goal's coming. They don't know anything. But they tell you, well, I handicapped it. It's minus four, but I really have it at minus five because of my handicapping. You're full of garbage. There's a couple of legends in the sportsbook industry that can do that. The common guy sitting in a sportsbook can't handicap turnovers. They see trends, and they know, hey, man, if you've been playing this way, maybe you can turn it around and all that. But it's hard to predict when the Raiders are going to turn the ball over or not. But I can tell you this. I don't have a problem when Derek Carr throws an interception downfield and he's attacking. The interception he threw at the end of the half was god-awful. It's one of the low, low, low lights of his entire career. And it could have cost the team the game. But he didn't let it get him down. He came out in the second half. He was playing banged up. He made big throws. And he secured the win. That's what we ask of this quarterback, to win games first. Then clean up the mistakes. But winning is everything with this franchise. And Derek Carr got this team and helped get this team above 500. Harry Ruiz at the top of the hour, the Spanish voice of the silver and black. I challenge anyone to find a play this year that he's taken off in a game. And um, certainly speaks to his conditioning certainly speaks to his mindset, and certainly speaks to the man that he's becoming. He's a leader not only by things that he says, but most certainly um, by the power of example. How cool is that? So there you go. Rich Passaccia, who's done a nice job. He's done a nice job. He's done a really good job because of the way the team practices and the limited players he has. I'm surprised we haven't got one phone call today in the first hour of the show as I made it a point of action to congratulate Rich Passaccia, your head coach, on a victory at home and sweeping the Denver Broncos. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to say he's the greatest coach of all time, but we have to do a better job at being consistent when someone does something great around here and the coach did a really good job. Other big story this week, the Las Vegas Bowl We love the Las Vegas Bowl. My buddy John Sassenti is working hard to try to pull off the Las Vegas Bowl, which we believe will be a great event for this city. Please go get your tickets and support this event, okay? Because colleges travel or not. A lot of colleges and people from out of town are dealing with airport delays and all this. It's our job as locals in Vegas to buy tickets to this event and support the Las Vegas Bowl. For my friend John Sassenti, his entire staff that work all year, the entire year for one day, the game, and they do a great job here. I'm asking everybody to step up and go get a ticket to the Las Vegas Bowl. Go out there on Thursday night and celebrate the end of the year, your health, have a good time, and bring some friends and go support this event. It's really important to us here. Please do it. Uh, Robert in Los Angeles. Thanks for calling, Robert. Go ahead. 
Hey, JT, first and foremost, I got to give a shout-out to our head coach. Um, Rich has kept us together through all the turmoil that we've gone through this year. He deserves a lot of credit. Everybody bearing down on our Raiders, everything's supposed to be going wrong. He's kept us together and in this fight for that playoff push. Second, that defense looked great out there yesterday. Denzel being back. And I got to give a special shout-out to Desmond Trufant because he filled in nicely yesterday. Um, he did. Then, let, let me stop you there for a second. We, we knew Trufant was going to play, but Eric Allen and I on the pregame had no idea he was going to get that many snaps. And my buddy was in town, Alan Brown, who's a statistician who did the radio game nationally. And he, the first thing he said to me when he came to the postgame was, did you see Trufant and what he did? Very good point by you. He played an exceptional game and was the key to that back-end defense. Oh, definitely. He played, he played great. And then something else I noticed yesterday as well, when they went in for halftime, something switched in the offense, especially in Josh Jacobs. Something completely changed because he came out running the ball harder and more effective than I've seen him do all year. It reminded me of his rookie year. Um, I think that they need to build upon that. And like you said, we do need to air the ball out. But if Jacobs comes out every game playing like he did in that second half, the play action is going to be there all day long. And if yep. once we get Waller back, Deshaun Jackson being able to go deep over the top, this could be a very scary offense if we can keep that run game going and open up that play action for Derek just to light teams up down the stretch. Yeah, that, that'd be thanks for the call. That would be the ultimate. Again, I'm, I'm always honest with you and transparent, always. When If I can't talk about one thing, I tell you, and I think I talk about 99% of it. I don't want this team to revert back to a running team. I don't. All year long, I've been saying, open it up. This team is better when they're passing the football. This team is better when they're attacking downfield. How many times has it been a long play to Moreau, Zay Jones, down to the red zone, and they hand it off up the middle and lose a yard? I don't want to see that. I'd rather go down swinging with the passing game and Carr attacking downfield than Mad Max in the defense getting off the field on third down. I am not in love with this running game. I've never been. But I give credit to where credit's due. And as the Review Journal cover says, running for their lives. The ground game overcomes the first half errors and wins the game. So the ground game is doing great. I'm not in love with the ground game. I like when Carr is attacking downfield. Keep attacking.